<laughs> I'm a plain thief. <laughs> get it? Like a plain thief? Yes. Like an average thief? I, I get it. <laughs> okay. Hey, y'all. This is the Queer Archive, a queer and feminist Doctor Who podcast. I'm Brenna. And I'm Caitlin. And this week, we're talking about the second episode of Series 12, Spyfall Part 2. All right, let's pull to open to talk about the chaos of this second part. And Sasha, Sasha, Sasha. Sasha, Sasha, Sasha. Okay, pull to open. Initial thoughts. Well, we got a previously on Doctor Who this time. Previously on Doctor Who. Yeah, I think the last time there was one was David Tennant's final episode. I don't even remember, so I'll take your word on that. I think. Yeah, it's been a while, but it's by 13, too. Mm-hmm. Very cute. Did David Tennant do the intro of previously so. on Doctor Who? Okay. Makes sense. And the previously on Doctor Who reminded me of how... Much of a banger part one was. Part one's good. So good. We watch part one so much more than part two. I was realizing Absolutely. that as we were watching this, I was like, seen this maybe twice. Don't remember most of it. Yeah. <laughs> the whole opening scene from the jump, though, that's the fam at their best. A lot of, I think we mentioned in the Echelon circuit, a lot of physical comedy. Mm-hmm. Really good at that. And I love that it picks up right where the last episode left us. Yeah. A.K. Chaos. Chaos. <laughs> <laughs> The doctor talking to herself is precious, especially when she asks, What would you say to the others if they were here? Which is the most Hufflepuff question. <laughs> also, her hoping that she's not in a liver. Oh, I hope it's not a liver. I hate being inside livers. People always get so offended. Why are you doing in my liver again? That shit was ridiculous because you jumped to that real quick. How many times have you been in someone's liver? It's very specific. That was one of my favorite ribbons from last Calvary. <laughs> I made that. It was made for ribbons, absolutely. <laughs> the shade on Graham continues, which I also love. We're going to die! First of all, you're not going to die. Second of all, don't talk back to the screens. Obviously, I'm a recording and I can't hear you. Third, don't panic. Especially As the doctor oh, makes the video specifically talking to Graham. <laughs> and I did just say, don't talk back to the screens. Because she knows. I just said. Yeah. <laughs> and then his high-pitched, level out. Level out! <laughs> it definitely has where's the reload vibes, which is one of my favorites. So mm-hmm. I also love that the doctor basically makes a video game for Ryan. Bless. <laughs> she knows his genre. So the first half was honestly pure fire. It just gets a little derailed in the second half is what I would say. We'll talk about it. <laughs> Such a shame. Such a shame. And we get our master, obviously, coming in hot and messy. Ladies and gentlemen. Which, as we find out, only continues, really. At the same rate, too. Which is really quite impressive because he manages to show extensive range, but really never scales down the intensity. Yeah, he's Anne Hathaway and the witches. Just every take <laughs> is at 11. I'm also obsessed with Sasha Dewan's movement choices as the mm. master because he's always slouched mm. like he stands hunched over and he sort of slumps so we don't slump like this 
from place he to really place. Is. Like that's the walk, but that's not how he walks and stands in real life. So that is an active choice that he is making. It's and it just I I don't know why it's so fucking funny to me, but it really is. So when he walks in after Nora has taken Ada and the doctor in, he walks they don't show his face when he gets out of the car, but all those soldiers are standing like this and then here he comes. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's just really grumpy. Yeah. Truly <laughs> just living that grumpy life. Living so the that grumpy sense. belly first. Life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've just had the most infuriating 77 years of my life. Uh, my favorite is when he's bragging about his confrontation with the doctor to Barton, who doesn't give two shits. But he's at an 11 100% of the time, like you're saying. Even... Even when he has puppy dog eyes in the finale. Like, it's at an 11. But that's not until Timeless Children, so the fuck am I doing? Wait. I need to calm. Wait for it. Back to this episode. When I say I hate the master telling 13 to kneel and call him master. I don't like it. I hate it. Still hate it. Talked about in the echelon circuit. Still. But also, they really... Do have incredible chemistry. <laughs> I am guessing, not unlike Michelle Gomez before him, that Sasha Dewan probably mm. has chemistry with everyone. Chemistry with a brick wall. Nailed it. Mm. But no, like, I just think that they really play off each other acting-wise really well. Mm -hmm. Like, they level it up. So the episode immediately is elevated whenever they get to interact with each other. But yo, the drums, though. So good. This is a very personal code. I remember when we first saw this in theaters, being hella pumped at that bit, because, oh snap, she said, You're not the only one who can do classic. Well done. Mm-hmm. Totally different note. The doctors stay picking up girls throughout time and space, though. <laughs> None of it was explicitly romantic or flirtatious, really, but I love how enamored Ada was with the doctor. I have seen extraordinary Like, she would have taken her hand in. She's wise <laughs> and unafraid. I believe in her. She's like, let's go. The doctor said, where there's risk, there is hope. And Ada said, bitch, I'm down. Take me with you. And on a related note, so are you ready to brave the night? Has very two girls roaming vibes. <laughs> and okay, last note from Sapphic Fields with Caitlin. I promise I had a thought when the doctor answered the master saying, me and Yaz, both time travelers. Yo, that's it. That's about to be the show. Don't do that. <laughs> it's about to be the show. I hope. We know. Well, since we are talking about what Past Us was saying so much, perhaps it's time to unlock the chronolock and revisit what Past Us said That's about right. Spyfall Part 2. Remember when we said we were going to start doing one episode for two-parters? I actually didn't remember that, <laughs> but I do now that I've listened to the episode, and I was like, oh yeah, that was definitely a thought. We're like, we're going to do it. Past Us was wise, but we kept not taking Past Us's recommendations, because we did not do one for the, the Monk Trilogy. We did separate episodes for the Monk Trilogy. If there is any three-parter or two-parter or multi-parter or whatever to do it on, it would have been that Monks, one, and yeah. we sure did it. We sure suffered through every one of those Monk Trilogy episodes. What a choice. Indeed. I'm sorry that we put you through that. But, <laughs> I'm sorry uh, that we put past us through that. I know, everyone. When it's new episodes, you don't want to wait. Yeah. And I don't foresee us waiting in series 13. 
Yeah. Well, I figured we'd probably always do an echelon circuit and then regular episodes. I would say we actually had quite a few solid takes in our first time around on this one. Yeah. We actually I, were making some good analysis I there. was impressed, to mm-hmm. be honest. But I, I didn't remember anything initially. I was like, I have no idea what, what we said. I was surprised at how cogent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some of the stuff I was like, oh, were we wizards? <laughs> We were talking about it in the car that I was like, well, maybe whatever it is oh, saw at Gallifrey was so traumatic that he yeah. was like, well, fuck character development. But also, fuck character development? I mean, really? When you spend your life like that big baddie and then you come real close, a traumatic event like that, especially when you like realize that your whole life is a lie, what you've been told is a lie. Yeah, that can derail you pretty hard. Yeah. Okay. Whoa, calm down. Okay. But no, really, the first most important thing I agree with was our past selves when we concluded that there are too, too many laser shoe jokes. It's true. Yeah. But I do think that there was probably one laser shoe joke too many. Verdict is definitely in. Yeah. (laughs) Too many laser shoe jokes, especially the second time around or whatever rewatch you're on. But I still did love Ryan screaming dance Graham dance just because Ryan is screaming at Graham to dance. I'm still waiting for the multiverse plot that we were hoping for when this aired. There's been a lot of multiverse hinting in these first couple of episodes which makes me wonder if this is where the Chibnall era is ultimately heading towards a multiverse. It still could happen but also also like post timeless children we like we don't need it like I thought we did. That's really only because what Timeless Children brought us has provided just so much to unpack. And that storyline alone is already so interesting to me that I could honestly be satisfied without a multiverse twist. But I'm also not saying no to a multiverse twist. Yeah, and the Kasavin are from a different dimension. They keep using the dimension word. Yeah, like, this is mm. why in, in our Echelon circuit, I was like, are we ever going to find out what the fuck the Kasavin were here for? Because when we were re-watching this time, I was like waiting for it, because I was like, I remember the Master talking about something with them, and they were already here, yeah, yeah. and then he finds them, and then he convinces them to join his plan. So it's like, it's literally right there. <laughs> I would be so surprised if they do not come back. Yeah. They really truly had their own storyline set up before the master yeah. quote unquote. Although I thought his Orin. I thought the Stenza were gonna come back and they didn't, so I mean they kind of did. I I hope that the Stenza, not just Simpson. No, I mean like back. the conqueror exactly. of the seven systems. Yep. The Stenza, yeah. So basically I was noticing that we had just loads of questions at the end of this two parter when it first aired. And we got exactly one answer. <laughs> the timeless children. Yeah. One answer. But literally all the rest of our questions have still been unanswered. Yeah. And I hope that the majority of them come back. I really do. Um, the Kasavin being definitely an important one. Uh, so, I don't know. We'll see. It's wild to remember how shaken we were by Sasha's master in his first appearances. And again, I'm really open to reinventing the master, having someone else take it on. And I love Sasha. But it was like a little bit of a jolt for me. Yeah. I mean, I still agree. It is obviously so, so different than the Masters I was used to, but I'm also just so glad that we have both a Missy Master and a Sasha Master because the world is, it's wide enough. (laughs) Doctor Who is wide enough and we deserve both. Thank you for watching my Zoom TED Talk. I see you're not wearing a black turtleneck. 
You missed the dress code memo. I know. The influence that I could have had. The power that could have had. (laughs) Speaking of... Speaking of bad black turtlenecks. (laughs) (laughs) Of tech company villains. I was noticing this time around that Barton, his type of villain is perhaps the polar opposite to the type of villain that Sasha is. Mm. The lack of humor and personality is profound. Speaking of falling a little flat. Yeah. His storyline was like, where where are his motivations? Have you who is she? Yeah. He killed his own mom because Bro. Because mama didn't say that she was proud of him. I mean, we're all in therapy for that. That is a valid trauma to have. I don't think he is. But I'm not Boy needs to go to therapy. <laughs> I do, he does need to go to therapy and so does Geralt from The Witcher. The shorter version of almost wow. all stories is <laughs> go to fucking therapy and stop being mean to other people. <laughs> Anyways. My favorite is when he says, or should I say, plain thieves. (laughs) All dramatically, but, like, it's truly joyless. And perhaps this is entirely on purpose or whatever to really just make Sasha seem even more charismatic in comparison. Who knows? Or maybe Sasha is just so dialed up. Like he needed it. (laughs) He doesn't need the boost. And also perhaps he's so dialed up that it just makes everyone look a little bit flatter in comparison. Absolutely. (laughs) All right, so... We also talked a lot about Gallifrey. Yep. And we started out saying, hey, we're pretty agnostic on this. It really just depends on how they handle it. Mm-hmm. I think we said, as long as they make it interesting. <laughs> and oh shit, we didn't even know. We didn't even know. I feel agnostic about Gallifrey being gone. Boy, bye. Um, yeah, I agree. Because it can go either way. Yeah. Like, again... I think we've talked about this in recent episodes, just about changing canon yeah, and like shift. that's chill as long as it matters. I feel we were talking about this in the car ride home. I would feel really sad if Stephen Moffat changed it so that the Doctor's not the last Gallifreyan. Like that's the beauty of the fiftieth to me that he didn't actually kill all of his own people. Right. So that would make me really sad if they did that. And then Chris Chibnall was like, actually, her and the Master are the last two Gallifreyans. It would be less self-punishing than what RTD did, where he's like, the doctor killed all the time, lords. You're the but, last and you yeah, did it. <laughs> yeah, fuck off. Um, so it wouldn't be as painful and as punishing, but that would still be a little bit of a bummer to me, but mostly I'm like, eh. We were also optimistic about these developments and how they could interrogate Gallifreyan identity, and I love how that's exactly what it did. Yeah. I'm not super eager for more Gallifreyan lore necessarily, mm. for Gallifreyan lore's sake, but I do think it's pretty interesting to choose to further interrogate the Doctor's and, quite frankly, the Master's identity as yeah. a Time Lord. Yeah. Because I think that's super important. And again, I'm always super down for a reversal of those tropes, such as interrogating things like the Jedi in Last Jedi, mm-hmm. or Asgard, in Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Like, usually the hero actually comes out a lot more interesting yeah, after that deconstruction. Yeah. Right. By the time we got to Timeless Children, we get to see, yeah, exactly that. And we will definitely talk more about those comparisons to those Star Wars and Marvel stories that we brought up when we get there. Yeah. But I will hold off <laughs> for now. Whew, I am ready to leave past us in the past and move on. We can do that by heading to the High Council and take a peek at Sagoon's latest work.
All right, we're up in the High Council of Gallifrey, the segment where we discuss folks in those power positions in the world of Who production. Who do we have? Written by Chris Chibnall. The only note I have is, <laughs> nice Legopolis callback, Chris. Very funny. Nerd. <laughs> this episode was directed by Lee Haven Jones. Jones directed the second most episodes this series after the festive special, so he did this by Fall Part 2, Orphan 55, and <laughs> Sorry, um, he directed the resolution, revolution of the Daleks. The one that we don't have yet. Festive special. All right. That's um, actually a little bit of worrying, but I mean. <laughs> it's all the bad ones. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be fine. I'll take what I can get. Uh, and then, of course, music by Sagoon. Firstly, I do still really love the music when they're going back and forth on the Morse code. So good. It's sort of his take on the sound of drums and it should be on the soundtrack. I continue to be very bitter that these are smaller soundtracks. Literally why? This and no jurisdiction in outer space, not on the soundtrack. The number of tracks on his soundtrack is lean, just like the musical style he has chosen. <laughs> very nice. <laughs> Anyways, but there's a specific moment that I'm I'm going to jump to, sorry. That actually is really notable how lean the moment is because it's normally a moment that would be a really traditionally heroic melody, especially being used to Murray Gold. Yeah. It's a climax scene when the Doctor, Ada, and Nor walk in and we're used to having this big bombastic piece to appear at that moment. And it's so subtle. Yeah. It's like piano and then there's symbols and then it kind of grows a little bit but the first few notes are just soft piano <laughs> scant yeah <laughs> it's so wild i found it really striking actually yeah anyways proceed before we leave this area we need to talk about the revised 13 theme the original 13 theme We talked about it a little bit last week when we were comparing it to the the Action TARDIS team theme. But now, this season, 13's theme is in minor. Oh, shit. That's how you know it's real. It's so accurate, though. Sagoon's so good. <laughs> yeah. He talked about that on, accurate. on Twitter or in an interview somewhere. He was like, the doctor is going through it. So I wanted to keep the same notes, but also reflect that she is going through some changes in terms of how she views herself and how she views her, like, what her place is in the universe. So I just transposed it to a minor key. Yeah. And I was like, you Oh, it's so painful <laughs> because <laughs> one of the most noticeable changes that she has is her posture towards her companions, which most often feels like her posture towards the audience Yeah, because the companions are kind of our bridge into that world and to the doctor. And so it's about to get real and I don't appreciate how much this music reinforces that. Rude. And it's too good. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> but yeah, I remember... The, like, experience of after watching series 11, 13, 
and the Doctor being who she is in Series 11, and then having to experience Series 12, 13, and I was just like, no! Yeah. Let the Doctor be happy again! No! I really hope that that's coming for <laughs> us in Series 13, because I need... I mean, I know Jodie is just like, that's her bag, and she's the best at being miserable. Devastation. Yeah. Yes. It's really annoying. I think I talk about that later. I'm like, just like, when Jodie's at her best, it means we suffer. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> All right. So, basically, Sagoon delivered, as per usual, on the soundtrack, par for the course. You know what the script also delivered? Lots of racism? Mm, and sexism. Mm. You know what we can talk about. All of that, of course. The Black Archive. This is the Black Archive, a segment that's full of such dangerous, forbidden, and powerful stuff that even the doctor shouldn't go there. Here we examine things like race, class, sexuality, gender, bodies, all the good stuff. Yeah, yep. Yeah. All right, what we got? I agree with our initial criticism of this episode's tech company storyline. We were like, I think it got a bit derailed. This to put it lightly. Yeah, this is just a climate change argument, but it's about data collection. Stop blaming consumers mm-hmm. when the real problem is the corporation. Mm-hmm. Get out of mm-hmm. my face. Mm-hmm. You're capitalism trash. It's a capitalist argument as well. Yeah. Yep. It's like the Amazon argument. Anyways, we could go on. You've heard it before on this podcast. Burn it down. I think we put it really well. In, in our echelon circuit, actually. Oh, we're so smart. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it lost its thread a little bit when it shifted its critical gaze from being on private companies having the power to maybe control international politics or whatever yeah. to being like, everyday people, y'all are suckers. You know what I didn't love? Tell me. Actually, there's three things. But first, another black woman dying on the show. Again, there's not that many, so why, when they are written into the scripts, are they being killed off like this? And her death was so prominently displayed and violent and absolutely unnecessary to the plot. Yeah, like, you could establish he has mother issues without Mm -mm. murdering her. Mm -mm. You could have just lifted that whole scene right out. Yeah. It would have been fine. That makes it really extra annoying. But I felt for that mother, though. She... Did she even get a name? I don't think so. It's just Mrs. Barton. I actually looked this up, and it just says, yeah, Barton's mother. And can you believe Blanche Williams invented the unimpressed face? Her face, when he's like, I do all these things, and she's like, well done. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're finished. Just really, have you ever seen someone more done with your shit? <laughs> Mama Barton was done. Also, you have your mom strapped up in a chair in a warehouse, dark warehouse room, like, and you think this was going to be a normal conversation? Bro. Those dynamics, can you see why, why they might be a little strained? He's all mad at her for, like, not responding positively yeah. to his quote-unquote achievements or some shit. Ridiculous. I, it was actually, it was just so hard to get in Barton's mind. Like, the motivations, I think, is what we were talking about in the Echelon Circuit. Just yeah. nowhere to be found. What do you want? What are you what doing? Yeah. fuck, dude? Like, why do you not give a shit if 7% of your DNA is no longer human and who knows what? Like, there's got to be something there. Whatever, no, man. No, apparently. <laughs> yup. Okay, second thing. Hard no for me is having the doctor leverage racism to her benefit. Yeah. Like, nah, let's not. 
we talked about this also in the echelon circuit it, it's just because it's not just oh the doctor witnessing some human shit you know up to their normal human stuff being racist and she just can't intervene at the moment it's the doctor relying on hatred and distrust of people of color by the nazi army yeah. for her plan and at one point she says, He's masquerading as a German soldier. That's low, even for him. Girl, you are going to turn him in because of the color of his skin later. Yeah. Talking about low, it just didn't feel like the doctor to me. It still doesn't. And the thing is, she could have totally just sent the message that he was a double agent and breaking the chameleon circuit was a bonus. Again, unnecessary. I think it's a Teutonic circuit. This time? Oh. The chameleon circuit thing is when they're hiding their Time Lord identity even from themselves. Totally. And he calls it a Teutonic filter. Yeah, because I thought I remembered it having a tie into how the alley place in Face the Raven worked. How Hmm. they all had, I think it was like in the lanterns technically. Yeah, those were the glowworms. Yeah, something was like a filter. Perception filter. Perception filter, okay. Uh, and then Chameleon Circuit, you're right, is the the thing that the doctor has when he go ba- goes the back in time. Watch, yeah. yeah, and also the thing the, that brings him back. The fire alarm in Fugitive of the Judoon is a Chameleon one. Circuit. That's the one. Right. <clears throat> but whatever it is that she breaks, totally unnecessary. It's just not a good look. Like, that was a choice that the writers were like, I'm going to put this in there. Yeah. The writer. <laughs> Chibnall. <laughs> <laughs> I do. The only good thing that came out of that was... The, the master's line when he's getting arrested is, you've always struck me as such reasonable people. Yeah. <laughs> Great line, though. Okay, third thing. Of course, the doctor erasing Ada's memory as she begs her not to. Yeah. Hell no. Like, I get it. Not all the historical figures that see the future when the doctor visits need to keep their memories. But I think Ada, out of all people, could have come to that conclusion with a conversation. Yeah. How many times we got to learn this consent thing here on this show? And it definitely doesn't sit right with me that the doctor ignores her requests as Ada is trying to talk to her. Yeah. She's like, mid-request, beep. Denied. (laughs) Yeah, also, speaking of Ada and Norm, I've got three of my own. Tell me. Firstly, I wish they got their own episodes each. It's, like, bonkers that they've wedged two of them into a single episode. Absolutely. The, like, second half of the episode. That's a thumbs down for me. Also... Britain's obsession with World War II stories notwithstanding, nor would have been a great historical episode just on her own. This is whack. Right. Secondly, I find it telling, let's say, that Chris Chibnall has wedged two women into a single story where we actually learn very little about them and then spend an entire episode on Tesla in the same series. I rate that exceptionally whack and probably sexist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The fact that Doctor Who hasn't done Ada Lovelace until now, also sexist. Yeah. And thirdly, please notice who gets to keep their memories, Byron, Shelley, Tesla, and who gets theirs erased against their will. The prosecution rests. In a scene of us watching that happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And this, if there were more women that we visit who have full episodes, who don't get their memories Mary erased. Shelley. Mary Shelley doesn't get her memory erased. That one, one. singular. And If this was among other examples yeah. where it wasn't a constant pattern, then that would be a different conversation. But when you have exceptions, like 
the one historical, you know, women figures that we get to visit, the very few that get their own episode, et cetera, et cetera, when they're the only ones constantly getting their memories raised. That's that's when it becomes a problem. It proves the rule. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when it's exceptional, it proves the rule. Yep. So I would agree with you there. Is that all we got until Bechtel and Duvernay? Mm-hmm. What say you? I think it's a double yes. Okay, so Bechtel, definitely yes, yes. Because we get, again, the very low bar when you have women included. They're going to talk about some shit. Then, Duvernay. Oh, yeah, I had question marks on these. Because we have tons of people of color, like, in leading roles. Yeah. Two of them are the villains. But I think yes, because more the master than Barton. Yeah, I don't know Barton's that we... not really developed, no. as we were saying. And I think you could make the case that I wish we had more time with her, but we learn more about Noor, I think, and Noor's thought process for what she's doing than we do about Ada. True. Which I rule I still exceptionally whack. But I think because of the Master and Noor, we'd probably give it a yes. We have to add the efforts together yes. in order to equate <laughs> to a full Yes. But we'll give it to him. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So I guess the only other question we have before we leave the Black Archive mm-hmm. is the classic, can you lift Yaz out of the episode? It's almost comical how easily yes. <laughs> I like how they add her family in for, like, set dressing. Yeah. They're like, Yaz is important. And you're like, is she? Remember? Because if her I lift family? her out, then I'll just lift her family right out. And it, the episode still makes family. sense. Yeah, it still makes sense. Yup. Okay, so the initial scene in the plane... When they were, like, screaming as the plane goes down and everything. She literally does nothing, has nothing to do but sit there and look terrified. Ryan is flying the plane. Graham is the comic relief responding to Ryan's flying the plane. It It's it's almost yeah. comical. Like, okay, so the only specific role I would say Yaz is playing here, which is a role she plays a lot, is bringing us back to the doctor constantly. She's the one always asking, like, what would the doctor do here? How can we follow in her footsteps? And so she she plays... I mean, anyone could play that role. Yeah. But, I, I mean, obviously it's her because she has, like, a particular fascination with the doctor. But that's something that's at least consistent that we can track. Well, I know what the doctor would do now. Transition out of this segment? You bet. That's perfect. Because then we can head to the heart of the TARDIS to talk about pacifism. In this episode's Who Run the World? Girls Ethos. We can hear a word from our sponsors on the way. This podcast is brought to you by the new laser shoes from O'Brien Spycraft Devices. In the increasingly complex world of international relations, it's important to know that you have only the finest tools at your disposal for both diplomatic efforts and spycraft ones. For the latter, put your trust in the O'Brien brand with our newest advancement, the laser shoe. Outfitted with precision lasers in the heel and toe of each foot, O'Brien laser shoes can be configured to fit the dominant foot of each individual wearer. The lasers can be programmed to activate via stomp, slide, or toe tap, and the people around you will be none the wiser. Outfitted with the trademark O'Brien Precision Aim you've come to trust in our other Spycraft products, you can slip into your shoes knowing that your shots will always hit their mark. O'Brien Spycraft Laser Shoes, spy tools to keep your enemies on their toes. This is the Heart of the TARDIS, the segment where we talk about feels and or supposed morals of the episode. <laughs> All right. I'll start off with a feel. 
13's face when Yaz asks, can we visit your home? Uh, oh, gosh. And then she runs away. I know. She look all devastating. Runs away. I was looking at that this time because oh, she literally is still within eyeshot. Yes. And there's not a hallway or anything. She, there, just, so runs. she just runs over to a wall and is staring at it. Poor baby. It's, just, it's a lot. She does it really well, too. Again, Jody's in her wheelhouse, and that means... Suffer. <laughs> okay, so on to morals. Like, I can list you the morals that it's offering. I don't have too many thoughts on them because I don't feel like they're super compelling. I'm on board, yeah. but not super compelling. I wouldn't say it's pandering, but it is pandering adjacent. We were way harder on this episode, at least in this regard, in the Echelon Circuit. I would. <laughs> so I when think... I was taking notes this time around, I was like, all right, this is an acceptable level of pandering. I see what you're doing. But yeah. I think I've just gotten softer towards it. I also think at that moment when it first aired at the beginning of the year, the whole do the fascist win felt yep. pretty clunky. Yep, that's And fair. now I think because it's been a year, we're like, okay. Yep. That's fine. On your normal <laughs> yeah. bullshit. Yeah, it's, it's still the same level of clunky yeah <laughs> totally i guess we're just used to it but okay so this episode is obviously very intentionally highlighting the strength and ingenuity of women no matter what the time period mm -hmm. and again when i watched it this time around i was like this is an acceptable level of pandering if you're gonna make that point they mostly let the plot show not tell again i think an opinion that has softened <laughs> over the months. Because um, when we first watched it, I was like, this is absolutely, you are telling me everything I'm seeing here. You're not yeah. showing me. And I think that's largely due to the fact that they kind of have to tell us, okay, this is Ada Lovelace. This is what she has done. Well, it's because they, they don't have time. They put 17 characters exactly. in there. Yeah. <laughs> there are literally four Ada supporting or characters Nor getting in their here. own episode. And you don't have to tell us what they did. You yeah. could show us what they did. Whatever. Okay, so obviously the snap strong position to take during war times, the connection of Noor and the Doctor both being pacifists. Mm -hmm. Yay. End of thought. Along the same lines of the fascists do they win line, the line that the Doctor offers. These are the dark times, but they don't sustain. Darkness never sustains. Even though sometimes it feels like it might. It, it's just very on the nose. But, I mean, to be honest, like, that's Doctor Who. Yeah. That's Doctor. Maybe we're feeling softer about it because it's election week. <laughs> I guess. And everyone's kind of being like the Doctor right now. They're very much, like, everything is very packaged up in, like, a beautiful little, like, straightforward message of, like, yeah. the fascists don't win. I don't know why I'm hating on that so much. Like, I'm on board for that message. But one thing I'm very much in agreement with still is that we just don't, need more nazi stories we really don't we good we also we don't good, we don't need any more world war one or world war two stories unless it's about nor i will watch an episode about nor but y'all need to back off of the world wars like it's the only stories that are ever worth telling just find something else to do please if you're gonna dip into that it better be about the people that haven't had their histories told that's right there are other things. There's some. There's a whole continent you have not even touched. Sweet Jesus. <laughs> Go to South America for the love of God. I know they went there the one time, but we all agree that episode is very racist, so. I didn't see it. I already know, though. <laughs> but yeah, Central America, South America, please. 
all of Africa. I know that they've also been to Africa, but it's not enough. It's okay. Not. Anyways, it's time to send something to a crack in time and space. What are we sending this week? So pretty much the whole of Black Archive could have been, you know, <laughs> candidates. But on a lighter note, I'm just going to say the whole, all of the tech lingo, it's just got to go. <laughs> <laughs> like there was a lot. Barton specifically, and now it's the time for the global rollout. Okay, you really need to stop saying rollout. Luckily, there's an app for that. Flames on the side of my head. Luckily, there's an app for that is literally a... That's a 10 years too late joke. You have to stop. (laughs) (laughs) 10 Mm -hmm. years late. That's late for even Britain. I know. (laughs) So, Byronimo to all of the tech jokes. Bitch. What about top three? It looks like only four in our top three this time. That is... Restraint. Wow. (laughs) I love... After Yaz makes a phone call home to lure Barton's agents, Ryan feeling big and getting carried away telling the folks the plan. (laughs) Ryan, don't tell them our plan! (laughs) Oh, right, right. (laughs) Obviously, the marvelous operating man. Lady. Operating lady! Every time. I love the dueling Morse code music. Gotta be. The yeah. rhythm of two hearts. Peak moment of yeah. the whole episode. And yet again, that should be on the soundtrack. Sagoon, I'm taking it personally. <laughs> All right. And lastly, I've got to say, the fam genuinely concerned that they are being replaced <laughs> when the doctor brings back two women. Graham, we have a lot of questions. <laughs> Who are they and are we being replaced? I mean, it's a fair <laughs> question. It's a fair question. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it every time. Okay, that is it for this week. Next week, we'll be back to talk about the third episode of Series 12. It's time to talk about Orphan 55. We're, oh. we're back on that Edheim. Mm. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Queer Archive Pod. We want to hear from you, your thoughts and your feels on this episode. And please remember to rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice because it really does help other queerdos find us. Until next time. Be gay. Fuck Donald Trump. Fuck Donald Trump. Fuck down, try. Yeah. Okay, fuck it, bye. Yeah, yeah, fuck down, try. Yeah, fuck down, try. Yeah, fuck down, try. Yeah. A certain vinegar faced manipulative cowbag is about to discover that she's out of a fuck job. Hey, I could write it on a cake.